fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to F Triple G BT. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. Now, of course, I got the brain trust here with me. I'm not alone. Uh, I'm the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. And of course, we've got the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Hello, Dan. Great to be here. And of course, we are not complete without our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser, who is, from what I understand, broadcasting out of his completed X-Wing in the Ben Cave. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. In a, in a different universe, the three of us would be together, but as we kick off what is going to be kind of a new format here, we're starting our fourth season. I'm very excited about this, doing a couple of new things, so this is going to be um, kind of an experiment for all of us, and this might be one of those things where we've created an entirely different universe where we've actually kept the exact same format and have done absolutely nothing different. Is that possible within the realm of what we're going to talk about? Well... You know me, Dan. I like parallel universes. Yes. I like the idea of having parallel dimensions. Yeah. And quantum mechanics, one of its many worlds, many interpretations, is these multiple universes where some things stay the same and some things change. So I'm, I'm with you on this. It's completely what we could be doing. Wow. <laughs> ben, do you agree? Absolutely. The, the, every world exists and this is the one we're in. <laughs> you know, this is funny. So we're going to talk about one of my favorite TV shows. We're going to use that as a model for our conversation, and that is Rick and Morty, specifically A Rickle in Time, which is the season two premiere. And I love this episode because they basically create all these universes based on the different decisions that they make. We're going to get into that in, in a second in, in excruciating detail, I hope. Uh, but first, I want to ask you guys something. So in your own lives, I'm sure you guys have made many decisions. Uh, Denon, I'm sure you've made several hundred. You make several hundred a day. I'm going to go with you one by one. Is there any time where you guys have had to make a 50-50 decision? It was genuinely 50-50, and you went one way. And have you ever thought about what a universe, what the universe where you made the other decision looks like? So I've had many of those, Dan. Okay. And embarrassingly enough, it's almost always around dessert. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're there, you get the menu down to two items, and it truly is a 50-50 choice. Many of them have turned out well, yeah. um, but many have not. Yeah. You know, it's a new restaurant. You don't really know um, their dessert expertise. Right. Um, it's, it's often a chocolate versus a non-chocolate dessert. Right. Um, the quintessential decision, really. When the we all quintessential think that, yeah. decision. Right. Um, now, in terms of wondering how my life would be had I gone the other way, mm -hmm. um, I do feel that the dessert choice has probably not had dramatic changes on my life. Yeah. Um, except, you know, on those rare occasions where the dessert is very unsatisfying, so I get ice cream on the way home. <laughs> I probably could have saved a few calories right. and a little bit of... Um, maybe damage to my heart had I made the right choice to begin with. Now, let me blow your mind here a little bit because let's say that you, um, you, we are the culmination of all of our decisions, right? Exactly. So if we are going to extrapolate this, let's say that there is actually a world where you've said no, no, or, or, or not had dessert at all, right? We're talking 50-50. There's a chance you didn't get dessert. There may be a world in existence where you didn't get dessert at all and became a fitness model. We don't know. Is that possible? We don't know, except, you know, knowing me and dessert, I'm not calling that one 50-50. That's right. more like 99-1. <laughs> right. Okay. That's fair enough. All right. All right. 
Uh, ben, what about you? There's got to be something, uh, you know, in your. I imagine you talked about um, getting the pants, getting pants on a previous episode. I sure. bet the decision to go after your sister was probably a 50 50 decision. No, I don't think there was that much uh, decision making at that point in my life. All right. Um, you know, like Dan and I, I was thinking about, you know, having. Should I have had Chinese or Japanese for lunch today? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if that was really 50 50, you know, the. The Japanese is it's a bit too heavy on the carbs, you know. Right, right. So I went with the uh, the stir fry for the Chinese. You know what I really thought of on these fifty fifty things is what what career uh, choices I've made. It, hmm. You know I've you know I started out here uh, working on communication satellites, mm-hmm. and then I worked on rockets and other spacecraft for a very long time. But when I made that decision to to switch from the big um, aerospace company to the small startup, that was a 50-50 choice. And it was a very risky kind of decision. It was like, do I stay with this big, you know, big stable company or do I take this risk? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to imagine what the world was like, what, what my world would be like if I had never, uh, you know, joined the startup and created all these amazing products and, and space missions so versus, you think you know, so? You, so you think this was a good decision then that you, that you made the right one? Do you ever think of what the other what Ben Seepser current rocket scientist looks like right now? What Ben well what Ben Seepser uh, communication satellite engineer looks like? Yeah, I yeah. think uh, well I still have a pension and I'd probably <laughs> be yeah. uh, I don't know I I think I would have been much less risk averse than I ha- would have been and. And I think the most important thing, Dan, I would have never met the person who introduced us. Oh, is that right? Uh, had I never uh, went to that startup, I met you through my cube mate at the new company. Oh, and wow. And so if I had never done that, we wouldn't be here right now. Holy cow, this, this show wouldn't exist. That, I mean, that's I major. Know. I mean, I don't want to like, no hyperbole or anything, but that is, that is earth shattering. That, you might have, that changes civilization in some ways, this 50-50 decision. Absolutely. When you so the fifty fifty decision, you never think about. I mean, maybe this turned you into like kind of like the rebel that you are today, right? Like maybe that made you more of like the bad boy. You know, the guy who has the pension and everything. They're great, but you're kind of like the bad boy of science. You know, can we oh, say absolutely. that? Absolutely, I I think that's exactly correct. <laughs> and I, and I would say yeah. this makes it clear: if he hadn't made that decision, we would not be suspecting he was the evil secret engineer that we suspect oh, him to be today. That is maybe very I'd still true. be a good non-evil. <laughs> Right, exactly. (laughs) Using your powers for good. Well, you know, it's funny. When I thought about this, I'm a big game player. You know, Ben, you know this. Dan, and you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought of all the times where, and this is only with, you know, very American games, where you have the luck of the dice, the roll of the dice can really throw a game. And I remember there's been some epic games that I've been in where the roll of the dice was a win or loss. I can think of one specific time when I was playing Yahtzee. I grew up on Yahtzee. Uh, It's a very, the game's all luck, really, you know. But I, I was playing one at this convention, and I was sitting around. There were six people there, and I was able to – and I was kind of doing it as a joke, but I would take the dice, and I would shake them up, and I would whisper to them. And I would tell – I would ask them to come up like full house or you know straight or whatever. I called my shot four times in a row. Now, that may not seem like much to you guys, but that cemented my legacy as a guy who could call his shot in Yahtzee, who could throw dice and predict what they were gonna, how they were going to come up. And – 
I, I have a, I have a legacy. I've got a moniker. I've I've become legend. You know, and I don't know what the non-legend guy looks like. Is he less confident? Is he does he even go? You know, I don't know what that guy looks like. But but I like the outcome that happened. I do have to say that. So that's 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 my story. And what's actually interesting is I remember. I don't know if you guys ever watched the TV show Community. But there's this great episode where they talk about quantum. Uh, basically, there's a, there's this episode where they're playing Yahtzee, and one of them's going to roll a die. They're going to roll a die to see who does, who goes and gets pizza, and then they they roll it, and they actually have seven different outcomes. And it's pretty amazing how they've kind of structured that show around it. But it's kind of exactly what we're talking about. So I love this idea of of different worlds. Now I want to separate before we get right into the meat and potatoes here. So we're talking about this episode. We're actually going to run down all the technology in the episode, but I really want to talk about this quantum thing first because everything we're going to talk about today has to do with time. And and the first start, the first point, and this is probably going to be a, a quick one on our thing here. But when the episode starts, time has frozen for basically everyone, for as far as we can see, at least everyone on Earth. Time is frozen, but for Morty, Summer, and Rick, time is moving. How does this work in the construct of time? Then we'll go to you first, and then Ben, see if we can replicate it from an engineering standpoint. How did could this work in any sort of idea that we have for time right now? You know, it's hard to imagine it from some aspects, but interestingly enough, from the quantum aspect, which is going to be a large part of what we deal with in the show. It's, it's not as bizarre as it might be. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, in quantum mechanics, time is fundamentally a parameter that we use to keep track of the evolution of a system. So I would argue that it's easier in that context to think about Rick and Morty and the sister being the observers and the system being the rest of the world. And so they have stopped the evolution of the rest of the world, isolated themselves from it in some mechanism or manner. And that is why time is not moving anywhere else. But obviously, it's still moving for them because they're progressing forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Relativity, I would think of it in a little different way as creating a bubble of time. So it's a different thing. There is, of course, something we all experience, which is when you go into a particularly boring lecture, Mm -hmm. time slows down locally for you. It doesn't stop completely (laughs) um, (laughs) while it's it's still going fast in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa, when you go somewhere particularly fun, time can speed up for you um, above the normal rate. But that's more perception than anything else. So there's – it's – it's not a totally crazy physics idea, but I couldn't even begin to imagine the technology, which is why I love my job and not Ben's. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, ben, so we, could we harness this and turn this into something? Well, yeah. So I think Den- Denon's relativity was definitely what I latched onto. Is we don't really know how you could stop time, but we certainly know how you can slow down time relative to others. So somehow Rick, who's you know, obviously a genius and an expert manipulator of technology, somehow he has brought a lot of extra mass or energy into the world and is able to use it to slow down time for everybody else <laughs> except mm-hmm. for the three of them. Maybe they have, you know you know, anti-gravity well suits or something that allow them to stay out of the manipulation of time and allow them to clean up the house while yeah. 
while uh, while their parents uh, are frozen. So you're saying when you say slow down, you mean literally slowing it down to it's it's almost you can't even perceive that it's passing, but it is passing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a, it's possible to stop time, but it's certainly possible to slow down the observance of time as for the parents as from the parents' frame of reference so much that they're basically frozen and you have time to clean up the house. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. And and, and so I, I like this idea of setting this groundwork of, of time because I think this whole episode really kind of plays with time in a fun way. Uh, the next one, and, you know, we did an episode on multiverse, you know. This is very different. As we get into the quantum part of this uh, and this idea of having multiple universes that are almost identical with a couple of maybe small little details that were changed, this is very different because when we talked about the multiverse, we were talking about extraordinarily distinct timelines that were very unique. You know, uh, we used the Spider-Verse as an example, and Spider-Gwen's timeline is very different than Peter Parker's, which is different than Miles Morales. They're very extraordinarily different timelines. We're talking about things that, these subtle differences, this idea that there's a probability that something will happen, uh, whether it's 50-50 or, you know, one out of six, and that there's different universes created for all these things. So that's the the, the subtle thing that we're going to talk about that's different. What, what I thought about, from, from a pop culture standpoint, I thought my mind immediately went to Two-Face, where he's constantly flipping a coin, 50-50, right? So he's right. got he's always confronting himself with a decision that would make him the most prolific universe creator, not only in DC, but in all of comic books. And, and I thought about that, and this is the thing that I've always had a hard time wrapping my head around, and I'm hoping you guys can, can give me a handle on this, is if if if... My decision to do something, 50-50, if it creates an entirely different universe, so you're making a carbon copy of a universe that is, you know, almost infinitely massive, and we're doing this constantly, how how does that work? How, how is it so easy to just create a whole other universe where this other thing happens that's equally as massive, has as much stuff, the same people, uh, you know, that are all making their own decisions and creating their own universes? How is this even possible mathematically? So... Interestingly enough, Dan, the mathematical part, the mathematically part is the easy part. How how to understand it from any sort of philosophical or broader pr- perspective is mm-hmm. the harder one. Okay. Because really what we what we're asking the question of when it comes to quantum mechanics, the funny thing we don't know is what does it mean to do a measurement. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like about this episode. When we say you create two universes, it's trying to get around the idea of what actually happens to the wave function when you look at something. So if you're going to ask the question of, you know, are you sitting down in your chair right now or are you standing up, mm-hmm. right? When I do that measurement, um, there's a probability that you're standing up. There's a probability you're sitting in your chair. And one view of the world is once I look at you and do that measurement and know what the answer is, that is the only universe, Okay, right? There's another version or supposition that is, once I look at you and I see that you're sitting down, that is the universe you and I are in where I've made a measurement and you're sitting down. But there was also a result where you were standing up and that universe goes off and does its stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Um, the philosophical part is how do you imagine an infinite number of these? But you have to realize from a mathematical point of view, it's no problem because you're, the space where space sits mm-hmm. is as big as it needs to be. 
right? It's, it's a very weird question, right? Just because this universe seems big and massive, you put another big, massive universe next to it, who cares? You put another one next to that, who cares? Yeah. This is where the episode is great, right? Because you just keep multiplying these pictures and you just make the picture a little f- smaller and fit them on the screen. Right. It sort of conceptually is giving you that flavor. What I really like about it is it, it, it's a fascinating idea where you create exactly the same universe at first okay and you only run into problems if they ever get out of sync because then you can't bring them back together okay right which is and the that, entire episode that's which is that, the entire that's but the that is time but that's the fascinating thing from a quantum mechanics point of view yeah right you you realize it's going to be easy to bring them back together as long as they're exactly the same because that's fundamentally you, you can basically in a sense do a measurement and your result will be one of the two, but they're both the same, so you're back and you have it, if that even makes sense. Yeah. I'm not sure if I made sense there. Once they're different, you're in trouble. You, you get what we call in quantum mechanics interference, and they just play that off perfectly. So I have to tell you, from a physics point of view, I just absolutely loved what they did with this episode. Huh. Well, the thing that I thought was – it's not a space issue. It's more like a mass issue. Like if I were to create two pens, right – well, I now have double the pens in my hand. And it's not like it doesn't fit in my hand, but it's like, well, where did the mass for this pen come from? You know, it just, appe- oh, it, it just it, appeared. It, it, and it does. Y- it doesn't matter. Okay. So, so, no pun intended. So it's, a weird, it's yeah. a weird thing, right? So in quantum mechanics, in the, let me say it this way. In the many worlds universe version of it, mm-hmm. we, we're never actually worried about making the measurement in the way we think of classically okay. and that both events move forward. And so we think of reality as being the mass position and velocity of what you have. Okay. In quantum mechanics, all that really has reality perhaps is the wave function, which in and of itself neither has mass position or velocity. It tells you the probability of what you would measure for the mass position and velocity. Okay. So, so what's created in the multiple universes really isn't multiple mass because mass no longer really has meaning. Okay. <laughs> Does that check I'm out, Ben? How are you doing over there, I'm Ben? Just, <laughs> I'm just going to um, stick with that. I, I've, I've now gone down the physics deep hole, and, and I, yeah. I've clearly, you know, Ben's about to... He's no, broken I me. What, what, I broke... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's, that, how's that all work? Does that all make sense to you, Ben? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so well, we're going to get into some of the technology stuff here because I think the next thing we're talking about is he takes a gun and starts shooting through the realities. But one thing I wanted to talk about here really quickly while we're – there were a couple, there's a couple of really cool things. So I heard this great – this American Life episode and they were talking about uh, this – there's an app you can download. It's called the Universe Splitter. And essentially, you give it two decisions. Like, let's say you the example they give is, hey, I've got a beard. I'm thinking about shaving my beard. It's 50-50. And you can plug it in. And supposedly, this app activates the, you know, a nuclear reactor in Switzerland and, and sets off – it creates a quantum event, a genuine quantum event. And then it can tell you what your other person is doing. Like, you've just created a separate universe, and then it guides you down the path of what happens for you there. Uh, I, I just thought this was kind of interesting to use in an app form – uh, so I just thought that, that that was worth mentioning. But I stumbled across this great article from 2017 that talked about how 
I won't go into all the details. As always, the stuff's on the website. Everyone listening, you know, you can check out all these these articles. I'll put them up for you guys to kind of peruse at your own leisure. But it talked about how the, we are able to create these events that are 50-50. But basically, our decision to to observe it at a certain stage will actually change the way that it is. But it, it, when we observe it and measure it, we do it past the point. They're called, it's called a delayed choice experiment. So long after the decision for the particle to have made its decision to become whatever, wave or particle, long after that, just the act of observing people wanting it to be a certain thing, it is that thing, which was this which kind of a big deal because it essentially tells you you can create your own reality by thinking about it or wanting it or desiring it or looking at it a certain way. This kind of has kind of broad spectrum uh, appeal when it comes to people wanting to kind of live their best reality. Uh, and the science, hold on, this, is, this isn't like uh, the philosophical magazine. This is a science magazine and a science journal. Does that kind of, how does that affect our decisions and and the realities that are possible. What, what do you what do you guys think about that? I'll, I'll let Ben go first on this one. <laughs> ben, what do you think about that? What do you think about making your own reality? I think. Well, I think. I mean, I think we just make our own reality all the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I the. But I mean, this is on a physics level. This is a fundamental. We were saying that the particle, something that can be a yeah. wave or a particle. Long after it should have made that decision, you deciding what you want to observe, it, it changes it. That's that to me. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's weird. The, the the observer, you know, the whole the whole observer part of quantum mechanics is a weird thing, where the decision being made or resolving that wave function doesn't occur till something observes it, and there's kind of this philosophical question or maybe not even philosophical but there's this question of what is the observer how did mm-hmm. how do you how does one observe that quantum decision um huh. i don't i think we have some idea i think we kind of know that the physics of it is if something interacts with the particle um that or if something interacts with the wave function that becomes the particle well that's the observation and that requires you know matter or energy or something to interfere or interact with that uh, that wave wave particle hybrid thing i i feel like at the at the macro level at the level of beings of you know human beings there really isn't th- this delayed decision making doesn't really exist cuz there's always something making that observation whether or not you're the one making the observation well because one of the key things in here which which i loved is that a decision in the present affects a decision in the past right so that's that's what you're saying is we're deciding now to do this thing but it's changed what should have a decision that should have been made and you know a nanosecond ago whatever it is in in that world Uh, but i don't know i think it got made (laughs) when i think it it all happened earlier it, 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 it is it's it's it, it is the fundamentally weird thing about quantum mechanics that as, as ben said figuring out what really is a measurement is a bit tricky and you're right dan so so and language is a little tricky in this but mm-hmm. when you know you, you the, the easy one to think about is passing a particle through two slits and seeing what happens when it comes out the other side is kind of the classic first issue of Deciding later what you're going to measure, what you're going to do, can seem to have this weird effect in time 
of what actually happened when it through, went through the slits really does depend on the measurement you actually decide to do now. And it's very hard to wrap your head around, and it has to do with the fact that nothing really happens until a measurement is made. And it goes to my opening point when you asked about time in a weird thing. It's because time in quantum mechanics is this weird parameter that we use to track stuff, not so much the thing you and I are all used to as of time as something marching in a clean forward um, forward way. So yeah, it's just all weird. Right. And that's why I love this episode. Because <laughs> well, here's the strange thing about it to me, right? So in in this other NPR idea, it was, it was, they were talking about, they were talking to physicists, and they said, you know, we, we got a particle, and it's got an equal chance of going left and right. Let's say a photon has an equal chance of going left and right. It actually does both. And then, so in one universe, it's gone right, and one of the universe, it's gone left. We've measured it, and we've seen it go right, but the math says it's actually done both. So when you think about that concept and that let's let's say that we've now created two worlds where this photon goes left, goes right, whatever decision we've made, shave your beard, have your have your ice cream, right? Created two worlds. According to this, this kind of throws a monkey wrench into that is you can decide to do the thing and and maybe because this brings up from a philosophical standpoint, it brings up this concept of what is the best timeline for us? It's what that community episode was about, ultimately. Right. You know, they wrote right. one was the worst storyline and or the worst yeah. timeline, and seven was the best, right? So, and there's lots of people, uh, you know, it, this is all, this is fringe belief, and this is not science, but these people who believe you can actually jump between these timelines and achieve your best timeline, whatever that is, you know, let's just pretend we can objectively say what the best timeline is, right? Right. But this, these two concepts, this concept that when you, something goes 50-50, both are created, but also that we can adjust and make the decision we want to create the timeline we want, you could essentially create the best timeline for yourself. This, to me, was, was really, I don't know, I, I love this, just this concept from a philosophical conversation standpoint. But how do you know what the best timeline is? Right, yeah. From a philosophical standpoint, I don't yeah. know. And, and I think you're yeah. right. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Well, it's always the one with chocolate chip cookies and ice cream. Right. Well, well you can well, make your own of those. Right. <laughs> you can make that. That's an easy that decision. That one we can make. Right. Yeah. Well, so now let's talk about this. Let's talk about, let's get to technology before we run out of time here. So we in the episode, what I love is that he comes up with this crystal that he can basically yeah. try to kill himself and shoot through these timelines. And it's also a creature that exists in all the timelines at yeah. once. Right. You know, let's talk about that. So when you talk about this particle that can go left or right, and it does both, we have, in my opinion, we have the fundamental science for a bullet that could go left and right and appear in one and not appear in the other, right? Um, how could we harness that technology to do what he's doing in this? Well, what I really like about that crystal is the idea of the precision of uh, and synchronization. So wh what we do know is that, that certain, certain things are very precise, make very precise measurements. So crystals... Or even better, like atomic clocks. Like mm -hmm. atomic clocks are ba uh, atomic clocks. Atomic clocks. You mean a radioactive cyclops? Yeah. <laughs> An atomic clock is a very big yeah. horse running <laughs> very around. Big horse. Yeah. Um, no, atomic clock is based on. He did it again. The, sorry. <laughs> An atomic clock is the are based on the vibrations of usually cesium atoms. So it's a very precise measurement based on taking this crystal of mm -hmm. cesium uh, and measuring the vibrations with very fancy you know, lasers and interferometry and all sorts of stuff. And what I like about this crystal is that this crystal could be 
this very precise source that vibrates at this very precise mm. speed. And it could be something of like a quantum anchor or a quantum synchronizer that no matter what universe it ends up in, it vibrates the same way. And you can always kind of find it as a homing signal. And I think that's that's kind of what the show alludes to. But I, that, to me, seems like a real thing. Like, you could have this source of time that no matter what you do to it stays the same. I mean, obviously, relativity is a problem because, you know, relativity even screws with atomic clocks. But, mm. you know, as long as it stays in the same spot on Earth, <laughs> right. which, uh, you know, it'll it'll be synced. Right. Well, and, and that makes sense, too. So, Denon, what do you think about what I said about it being in left and right and harnessing that? Is that kind of what we're doing there with the cesium and the precision? Well, I think um, it, it will. I we're talking about two different things. I think Dan, okay. right. There's, there's the, um, and they all seem to use the same crystal, which is interesting. Hmm. Th- there's the, the thing we're going to push the button on to make us all come back together. Uh-huh. Okay. And then there's the bullet that's going between the different multi universes. Are you talking about the tech where they put the collars on and then join the universe? Well, no, no, the collars later. later. First, okay, he's going to okay. have this button that you push at the same time. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> yeah. And bring us together, but but yeah. the kids mess it up because they're sitting on the wrong side, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 that to me is very much the the act of making a measurement, and because the two um, universes are exactly the same. There's only one possible answer, the universe you're in, and they come back together as a single universe. I see. And that really just requires this precision that Ben was talking about and making okay, a measurement at the I same time. Right. Very exciting. And the fact that, you know, a common thing, we're all familiar with interference, right? If It's what sound-canceling headphones do. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's what happens when you get beats and frequencies are slightly off in waves. So when the kids are switched and you push the button to do the measurement, you now get interference. Mm-hmm. And so instead of getting one universe, you get this weird oscillation and then they're back to two again. Right. Um, the bullet is trickier, and that might be more along the lines of thinking about setting up a measurement um, where you're left and right. And the other way to think about it, the, the, the equivalent of a, going through a left or right slit that's often talked about is when you create, say, two identical particles from a decay that one has to have upspin and one has to have downspin and they move apart from each other. And if you measure one, you automatically cause the other to do something mm-hmm. in a certain way. And one thing, I was, I was trying to figure out, well, how do we get these from one universe to the other? And I think this this idea of doing a measurement and making something happen is the key. And I, and I feel like the boundary, hitting the boundary of the current quantum universe mm-hmm. is the measurement of the thing that perhaps triggers it to disappear in one place, collapse, as it were, and reappear in another. Mm-hmm. Um, this is highly speculative, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I am making this stuff up as I go along, but sure. it's accurate, speculative. Right. Nobel Prize worthy <laughs> stuff, if you ask me. But but I do think right to get to get your bullet from one of these realities to another is to me a sort of a quintessential measurement idea. Okay. And there, your 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 kind of left and right slit is in that same 
family of events, same ballpark. Okay, that makes sense to me. So, so I like what you when you you went to the collars, right? So, or I did yeah. went to the collars. Well, you went I, to the collars because I set you up in a brilliant way to you, bring you to the collars. That's exactly right. So let's yeah. let me tee it off to you because I think what you just said makes a lot of sense, and that's really the last technology that's in here. Is we've split these worlds up. How do we collapse them back in? So let let's talk about the science and let's let's uh, let's Ben, you can make it for us. Yeah. So the, the collars are interesting because the collars kind of ground you back into you know these joined timelines and it's and it's the tool created by the you know this inter time dimensional quantum you know being that can see everything i think it would it would certainly have to rely on this kind of similar idea of having these synchronized systems but what what's interesting about the the higher dimensional being that we see here is that they not o- that they well they see all time but it didn't it's not clear to me that they also saw all dimensions it's just that the multiple or the multiple realities caused them strife or something cuz maybe they couldn't see the multiple quantum dimensions or something cuz it, mm-hmm. it made him mad yeah. like why would he care otherwise <laughs> um it was like an irritating itch he yeah, something it, was up and he couldn't quite see what it was yeah so right, yeah. I, I like that this this idea of that by putting these collars on it, it 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 makes it so that it maybe in a way it takes away your ability to make these um random observations and it maybe leans you one way or the other and kind of so mm. if there were to be a, a true 50-50 decision to come this collar would always bump it the same way. That way, everything recollapses, and you get back into one world. You know, that's a great. It goes back to my question. I didn't ask this. I wanted to ask this earlier because you just mentioned fifty-fifty. Yeah, I mentioned a community episode where there's six. Are there possibilities where you can create six universes at once, or are these only with fifty-fifty? How, how does it work exactly? Well, that gets very complicated. Because you like that? I'm going to just bow out and start with it's complicated, Dan, and we'll go from there. It, most of the time, we always talk in terms of the 50-50 example. But in, in many cases, you know, there can be an infinite number of possible outcomes. There can be, uh, you know, 20 outcomes. There can be five. You know, the interesting thing about the wave function is it tells you what are all the possible outcomes and what's the probability of each. And I think that's why, at the end of the day, people are a little disturbed by the many worlds interpretation, as it's called. It's hard to accept that all the outcomes are always happening because never mind your concern, right? With a 50-50 outcome, how do I complete, how do I make two pens of the same mass, right? right? Imagine if the choice is, well, I'm going to look for your pen and it's going to be anywhere on your desk in any of an infinite number of positions on your desk, <laughs> right. right? And all of those occur. That's a heck of a lot of pens. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is. Right. It's a lot of useless universes. It's a bunch of useless universes. So this is why, you know, this whole act of measurement is at the core of where we have to go to understand quantum mechanics sort of as a field. It's it's like one of the big, big open problems in physics. And it's going to be really important for when we do quantum computing, quantum cryptography. Yeah. Understanding this better is, is going to play a huge role in all of that. Yeah. Well, so we nailed all the technology. Before we end here, is there anything that we missed? Anything you guys wanted to hit that I didn't cover? Well... One that I don't really 
want to really delve too deeply into building because yeah. there's a grossness factor here, but I really like the slug gun. I'm glad that wasn't on our list of technology. I'm just like, ooh, yeah, no, don't go there. It Thanks, Dan. It didn't do anything. I don't know what I it did. I know. That was a great choice, Dan, to yeah. not pick that. But if you think about it, if you make a slug gun, slugs really don't do much. So right. I'm not surprised it didn't do anything. Yeah, that was a very weird one. I, I liked it. It was funny, but it was uh, yeah. I feel like it was useless. But, hey, he's an interdimensional being. Who knows? You don't know. We don't know what it did. <laughs> it probably did something in another dimension, for right. all we know. We don't know. It well, certainly doesn't not get run over. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, so we've. I think we nailed this all here. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to hope that we are all in our perfect timeline. And, you know, it, of course, if you're listening to the show, I'm, again, I'm going to have all the articles up there you can – you can read them. Send us your feedback. Let us know what, what you think about this, and, and we're happy to start a conversation with you. The show, you can find it on Twitter at FGGBTPod, and on Facebook, it's at FGGBT. Sometimes you have to look for fascinating gadgets, gizmos, gear-based technologies, but it's easy to do. Um, but when, and the three of us, we're on social media. It's crazy. Denon, where can people find you? People can find me, Twitter and Instagram, at Michael. And of all things, I'm on Facebook, but as at Prof Denon Michael. You confusing son of a gun. Uh, I know. I'll have it all up there so people can find it easily. Uh, ben, where can people find you? You can find me on every social media network at B Seepser. How do you spell that? That's B S I E P S E R. Awesome. Uh, I am in a lot of different places. I am at Analytical Mastermind on Facebook, at Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter, and at the Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram. So we've given you guys a lot to think about. I hope you're living your best, your best quantum dimension, quantum timeline. Um, but again, be careful with this technology out there. We're giving you insights into a lot of powerful stuff. So be careful with it. And until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you like the show, you're not going to want to miss an episode. you got to subscribe. How do you do that? It's so easy. We got on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Spotify. You can find us there. We talked about a lot of real science, a lot of articles. You know where to find those? We got them all on the FGGBT website. That's FGGBT.com. You can find links to previous shows, this show. We even do an audio version for YouTube. You can find it there. And if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.